so much to do, so little time. Welcome into this week's episode of the weekly Parsha podcast. Parshas, Matos, and Mase, a double Parsha this week. And in a quick summary of both Parshas, just to understand how many famous and large topics we have here to begin unpacking, Parshas Matos begins with voluntary lawmaking, moving into the koshering and the treatment of food vessels, before dealing with the claims and the famous episode of B'nai God u B'nai Ruvain when they wanted to stay on the Transjordan part of this conquest of Israel, of Canaan. Moshe Rabbeinu shouts them down. Eventually they meet in the middle. And then, some halachos from HaKadosh Baruch Hu about the necessity of cleaning the Avodah Zara, destroying the putrid and grotesque behaviors of those that are currently inhabiting Canaan. The commandment to set up borders for biblical Israel, which differs very much from the borders of Bezman Hazeh. The famous topic of Are Miklat, the safe zones for an accused of one accused of accidental manslaughter, a safe haven for him to run to, to protect himself, before our double Parsha, Parshas Masse, concludes at the end of Sefer Bamidbar with the temporary measures that were taken for the daughters of Tzalavchad, the Benos Tzalavchad, where we finish with a crescendo, with a spiritual high of Chazak, Chazak, Veniz Chazak. What I would like to discuss today is truly a topic that is larger than life. It really represents everything that we are. It's our etzem, our essence, our title, and represents the acme of our existence. I don't believe by the end of this episode, with the Almighty's help, that you'll find those words to be a stretch, but truly this topic represents everything to us. We have a new parsha, a new mitzvah given to us right at the beginning. Ish, when an individual, when a man will make a vow, or someone will swear to prohibit himself from something. Make sure. To see out that your word is kept. The truth is that this topic, oaths and vows, it is one that interests me, specifically because it's what we're learning here in Yeshiva. And in the morning Seder with my Chavrusa, we're learning Mesechta Nedarim. And what is immediately and readily apparent from the Mesechta is the myriad of halachos surrounding vows. Truthfully, there's three separate Masechtas, just to get it all. Masechta Nedar, Masechta Nazir, and Masechta Shavuos. In just the first eight plot, we've already covered topics surrounding what the difference between a Shavua and a Neder exactly is. What is the punishment of an unkept promise? The idea of kinuyim, nicknaming a promise, how one can say a different word instead of shavua, or I promise he can say something like, I will, I really, really will. That's why we insert the words bully neder at times. 
this interesting concept of kind of the self-guessing yados. It's a kind of mechanism in which a person can say one word and chazal can infer what he meant and that can actually effectuate a promise. But before we get so tactical about it, let us zoom out and explore kind of this maybe puzzling reality that maybe we have willy-nilly accepted. The idea of making a promise at large, we must ask on it. You know, Hashem gave the Torah at Harsinai. There are 613 commandments. There are things that Jews are obligated to do, and there are things that we are prohibited from doing. And there is a specific love called Baal Tosef. You're not allowed to add on to the Torah. Even if one loves the mitzvah of lulav and esrog so much that he wants to start adding in other fruits to take with his lulav and esrog, he's going to add an apple in there. So he's holding many species, if not five at that point, including the hadasim and the aravos. Well, that is prohibited bal tosef. You're not allowed to add mitzvos. The Torah has been sealed, codified, And now, it's Hashem's divine Torah. We can't put our own two cents in there. What space does that give us to make Nidarim? Nidarim represent the idea that a person who can't close his mouth from eating chocolate cake, he can now say, I make a vow, a shvua, a neder, a cherem, a koinam, that I'm not going to eat chocolate cake. You've quasi-added to the Torah, it seems like. You've increased those commandments, those ideas and objects that you're not allowed to do or touch. Why isn't this Baal Tosef? Let's ask even better. Let's get really into it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us this divine Torah, and he is the Melech. We know that Yahadus Judaism, it is not a democracy. There is a Melech, a king. It's our job to follow his world, his rules. So where is the space for us to even create new mitzvos? You have to be a god to create mitzvos. Take Carbonos for an example. In order to bring a sacrifice, there's halachos about it. There's only certain times and a certain place and way that one can actually bring a carbon Lashem. But... Make a neder, a nedava, commit to bringing it, and all of a sudden there's like this new commandment. It's like you're playing Hashem. All of a sudden your words have become heated and divine. Now, let us explore a couple of Myramakomos, some sources. Let's try to piece together an idea to answer these two questions and hopefully really bring out the practical lesson. You know, there's a concept that I once learned in business, actually from reading a book, that you are paid. The salary that you make, the profits that you will bring in, they all come based on the value that you bring to society. The product that you give, the more value that it brings, the more valuable it is viewed from the common folk, the more expensive it will be, the more wanted it will be, more supply, more value, 
AKA prices go up, more money is made. The better attorney or doctor that you are, therefore you are then viewed to be able to deliver a better product, to give more value to the client, therefore prices go up, you make more money. And the payment, that which the client pays the company or individual for their services, that isn't a reward for doing great work. It's worth it to them. It is the same level. They feel like this is worth it for them to pay that number for the value that you are delivering to them. And with this in mind, companies, small business owners are constantly trying striving to increase the value that they deliver to people to increase their profit. Now, when you look at the corporation, the community, the business, that is the Jewish people at large, all of us, what is the value that we bring? What is the, let's just say it, the omnis, the job? What value do we give to the marketplace as children of Hashem, Jewish people? So listen to this. The first place that we find the answer to this is actually in our Parsha, where the a vengeance of the Midianim is in full swing. The Jewish people are wiping them out, killing them. And one of the casualties listed in this war, kind of this one-sided war, is Bilam ben Ba'ur. Bilam was actually killed on the battlefield. But the Pusik tells us a couple extra words, at least it seems extra. As Bilam ben Ba'ar, he hargu, he was killed, becharev. He was killed with a sword. And Rashi picks up on citing a Medrash and Tanhuma. Why does it matter to us how he was killed? Is it important for the Torah to tell us this? And says Rashi, yes, citing this Medrash that the way of the Gentile nations to wage war is always with artillery, with missiles, with the sword. And the way that the Jewish people go to war, we fight back, is with our prayer, with our mouths. We cry out to Hashem, we pray. Says Rashi, this was measure for measure. Bilaam tried to be fancy. He tried to switch it up on us. He came with his mouth. He came to curse us, to destroy us. And as opposed to coming with swords, and with missiles, therefore we flip the script on him. We come, Mida, Kenegan, Mida. We drop our umness of our mouths and we go to war and we destroy him with a sword. Something that is his umness, his job, the value he brings to society. Hear these words of Rashi. You came to try and switch up the jobs, switch up your omnis, your business, what you bring to society, the value that you add, the tasks that you promise to do for the client, and you switched it, you tried to get us with your mouth, so we're going to come at you and take your omnis and come at you with the sword, hence the word Bechorev. What I want to take from here is the clear understanding of what a Jew is represented by. We are told that our mouths are our omnis, our profession. And this is enumerated in many places. Remember how we were standing by the Yamsuf, between the rock and a hard place where the Mitzram are chasing after us. And we cry out to Hashem and Rashi says, Tofsu, omnis, shel avosam, that we grabbed onto the omnis, to the profession 
of our forefathers, Jewish people, are defined by their mouths. The spoken word. All the way back. At the beginning of time, when there was this predestined and paradoxical definition of what was going to be the difference between Yaakov and Esav, the Pesach tells us that Hakol Kol Yaakov, that Jacob was to be defined by his mouth, his voice, the Hayadayim, and the hands, the swords, actions like such, that's the hand of Esav, the other nations, a Jew's connection to Hashem. It happens through his mouth. Mizim or Shir, let us connect to Hashem with Song, the koach, hadibor, the connection to Hashem through our mouths is the omnis of the Jewish people. That is the value that we bring to the world is what represents our corporation that we're a part of here, of the Jewish people. We're called medabrim, speakers. This is what we are. Now, listen to this Gemara. Let's flip this whole thing on its head and examine this topic from a different point of view, a different vantage point. To Gemara and Chulin Daf Peites Amud Aleph. Listen to these words. Omar Rav Yitzchak. My dechsev, what does the following Pasuk mean in Tehillim? It's in Nun Ches Beis. Ha'umnum Elam Tzedek Tedaberun Meshorim Tishpetu Bnei Adam. Is silence truly just when you should speak instead? When you should judge the sons of man in equity? With tzedek? The Gemara learns out something shocking. Just like, because we know that the omnis of a person in this world is yasim, is to make himself, atzmo, ke'ilem, to make himself like a mute so, Yachal af ledivrei Torah, I would have thought that also for Torah, one should keep his mouth shut. Talmud Loimar, we learn from here that Sedek Teda Beirun, that you should speak with justice, with righteousness. So, we talk Torah, we speak words of Talmud Torah. But we see the exact opposite, the flip side, bringing this idea to light that our omnis is our mouths. The value that we bring, what we are represented by our omnis is our peh, the spoken word. And it's brought out through speech and through the refraining from speech, from silence, making yourself into a mute. Yosem atzmo ki'ilem. The Gemara seems to have had a hava amina, an initial reaction that maybe, just maybe, that the spoken word is so precious that we shouldn't even use it to talk words of Torah. We should just learn in thought. We needed a new Pusik. More words in Tanakh to tell us. Afla divrei Torah. Nope, you should talk about Torah. You should use your mouth to speak words of wisdom, of Chachmas Hashem. Maybe even more well-known than this is the Mishnah in Avos that says, Kol There was a certain Tana who grew up in the house of the righteous ones. He grew up in the Agudah. He grew up with his father being Agadol Adar. And Velomatsasi. And he exclaims, with confidence that I did not find anything better for the human body more than shtika, staying quiet, muting oneself. Seems like it actually even brings health. It's good for the human body. What we bring to the table as Jews is our mouths. 
speech, the spoken word, and the ability to not talk, to stay silent in key moments. To further develop this point, let us tickle the emotional feeling to understand what exactly is this idea of staying quiet and how precious it is for a Jewish person. Recently, an individual here in Lakewood, one of the chashuve hador, a very kadosh person, he passed away. And at the shiva house, people were asking the children about their father, what he represented, really asking them questions surrounding one of the most famous and noteworthy points of his life, which is he was known to be somebody who barely spoke. At meetings, he kept quiet. In public, he seemed to always have his mouth locked shut. And the children told a shocking story. They told how their father had confessed to his children that when he was in a concentration camp during the Holocaust, the father was waiting on line at that horrible place where the general would decide if you would go left or you would go right. And one side was to the gas chambers, to the grave, to death, or even one was lucky if they found a grave. And the other side was to keep living on. Chaim, the life of humans. It hung in the balance of the general's finger in which direction he would point. And as the father is getting closer and closer to the front of the line, he's kind of cheshbening, kind of making an accounting of, you know, if it keeps going like this, am I going to end up left or right? It seems like the general has kind of got a flow going where it's left, right, left, right. And it's kind of working out for him in his favor that he's going to get to go to the side that is Chaim, that he's going to live on. And the unthinkable happened. We cannot judge, but an individual jumped in front of the father, when it was his turn to go to the side of life. This man stole that position, and now he was ready to see the general point to the left be sent to the gas chambers. And the father said, I had a moment there. I had a moment to push my way ahead of him, to show that it was really my spot online, to speak up. And I thought, I better keep quiet. How could I possibly push a Jew to the gas chambers and murder a Jew? So indeed, he made himself mute. He said nothing, holding his breath, hoping for the best, but not knowing what was going to happen. And as his spot was getting closer and closer to the front, it was about to be his decision. He watched how the general, he sent this man who had leapt in front of him to the safe zone to the place of life. And then, when it was the father's turn, in total disbelief, he watched how the general sent this man, he flipped the whole thing around, and he sent him again to Chaim. He flipped the order, everything right then and right there, and he was saved. The father lived to tell this tale. He made it out of the war. He told his kids what had happened, and he had made a Kabbalah commitment to remain quiet, to treasure His words, the speech is what kept him alive. Or not speaking is what kept him alive. The spoken word, Dibor, is the umness of a Jew. It's what we have. It's what lets us endure and keeps us alive. And to drive this point home, 
to really bring it back to the ranch about Nadarim and Shavuos and how we can make these new legislative personal laws in our lives and to see that they are carried out? Well, the Parsha does tell us that if you do not fulfill your word, you violate the prohibition of Baliachel. And Rashi tells us, what does it mean to do Baliachel, to not carry your word out? It says that you made your words chul and you have not kept your words. The words are everything to us. Do we really need to go into detail to answer this question? Don't we understand that our words are what make us godlike? The spoken word is divine. Don't make your words average, meh, and bland. They are our omnis. They are our everything. God has gifted us this ability. It really brings out the godless of man that, yes, we do have this divine-like quality to be able to create inside of the realm of the 613 mitzvos our own little spot to make sure that we're towing the line, to prohibit certain things on ourselves. It's not Baal Tosif. It's not adding something. It's within the guidelines of the Torah. We live a life of Torah. And our words are Torah. They're words. They're Kadosh. Lo Yachel. Keep your word. Kechol hayotze mi piv All that leaves your mouth, all the utterances that jump from your tongue, Yaase, do them. The godless of the Jew. Godless Ha'adam is on full display here with our godlike ability to create mitzvos, to do something totally divine. The lesson, the Musr, is to view the perhaps current bombasting and shouting, demeaning words, the sardonic rambling the needless and idle chatter to bring it to an end. To start growing rust on our mouths. Like this Jew in Europe who understood what words are. Is it even the slightest wonder that the Chavetz Chaim devoted his life to this topic of teaching people to stop speaking Lashon Hara? This whole parsha about Nadarim is all just to bring out the godless of the umness of a Jew, which is this ability to speak. And yes, I know that there is a way out of some Nadarim. You could do She'ela, you could do Hataras Nadarim. But if you look at the end of the Rambam's laws of Nadarim, you actually find there that he still wants you to go ahead and fulfill your vows as best as possible, even after the nullification of your word. That's how powerful the word is. And the omnis of a Jew is. This week's idea in a nutshell is to cogitate a bit, to process, to pause before we let words leave our mouths. To stop all the chatter, to stop talking. Because how many sins happen just because of spewing, of just simple, idle chatter, talking. And to appeal to the motives that make one act to show you the greatness of taking on something like this, being careful with your words. There are so many kama milos tovos, but avoda hazeh. When one is quiet, well, then no one will think of you as a fool if you say something that isn't smart. You'll probably look rabbinic. You'll look smart. You'll look like you're deep in thought, even if you're not thinking. When you do open your mouth, 
you will then be heard and people will want to listen to what you have to say because it's a rarity. And above all else, perhaps your silence will probably even speak louder than everyone else's shouting. And it would be very hard to imagine that the timing of this mitzvah, this parsha given to us, Nadarim and Shavuos, would just be random. You don't think that now that we're going into a land in which we're going to have to make our own laws, there's going to be a bit more freedom. The law is going to be taken into Bazin's hand. We're not going to be having the Anone Akovod and magical wells sprouting with water. Don't you think that it's the time that it makes a bit of sense to have these halachos given to us? The ability to understand when you give someone your word, what it means, when you talk, what that represents? Right on the foot of the Transjordan, making our way into the land of Eretz Yisrael, our word today. Stop talking. But if you do talk, go do what you say. Don't make your words mundane. Don't make them average. Don't be over on Balyachel. Understand that the umness of a Jew, that the value that we bring to society, humans represent, a Jew represents, he is titled a medaber, a speaker. And the Torah said it best. A Jewish person, someone who's a Bnei Yaakov, well, Hakol Kol Yaakov, that a Jew is defined. His essence is the spoken word, the voice of Jacob. Our words, divine, the ability to talk, the spoken word, sacred.